Welcome to the Dream Job System, the only podcast that provides proven tangible strategies to help you land a job you love without traditional experience and without applying online. Get ready to level up your job search with your host, Austin Belsack. Hey, everyone. Welcome to another episode of the Dream Job System podcast. I'm your host, Austin Belsack. And in this episode, we're going to walk through the process of writing a job description that actually works when it comes to attracting and hiring top talent. Job descriptions are part of the core process when it comes to the job search today. They tell your candidates what to look for. And also as a candidate, they tell you how much this company actually knows about the roles that they're hiring for. But frankly, job descriptions are horribly written. They are vague. They are wishless. They are not clear whatsoever. And that leaves a lot of job seekers wondering what the heck they're signing up for, which means that you're going to get a lot of applications that aren't relevant to the role that you're hiring for. And that's going to waste everybody's time. It's going to waste your team's time. It's going to waste the recruiter's time. It's going to waste the candidate's time. And most importantly, on both sides of the aisle, it's probably going to lead to a hire that may not be as good of a fit as you could have found if you spent a little bit of extra time on the job description. So if you're an employer and you're thinking about hiring, this episode is going to give you the framework that you can use to write a fantastic job description. But if you're a job seeker listening to this, I don't want you to just say, oh, this is only for employers, not relevant to me. This whole episode is going to give you the the framework of what to look for in a job description to see if a company really knows what they're looking for, who they're looking for when it comes to hiring for this position. And that is one of the ways that you can help suss out the companies that actually have their stuff together, that have a plan, that have clear directives. And those companies tend to be better to work for. So let's jump in here. When it comes to job descriptions, as I mentioned, most job descriptions are written using a template. They're written using fluffy, buzzwordy language. They don't have a lot of clarity, and they all mostly look the same. So if we want to write great job descriptions that attract top talent and tell that talent exactly what we're looking for, we need to have a couple of criteria here. So I've gone through this process rigorously on our side. We've written a ton of job descriptions. We've hired for a bunch of roles. And I have a very specific framework that's led to some truly awesome hires here. So essentially, the job descriptions that we write are broken down into a couple of sections. At the very top, there is a summary of all of the pertinent info. Then right below that, we talk about who we are. Then we talk about this role specifically, what to expect. We talk about training and onboarding. We talk about the ideal candidate in terms of minimum requirements. We talk about extra great but optional qualifications. We talk about who this job is not for. We talk about the perks of this job. We talk about the compensation. And we talk about what to expect from the hiring process. So that may sound like a lot. But when we include all of those details, we give candidates all of the information that they need to make a great decision. And we also tell certain people, hey, this job probably isn't for you, which means we're going to get fewer applications applications, but those applications are going to be much more relevant and higher quality. So let's break each of these down. Right at the very top, I want to tell the candidate exactly what they're going to be getting in this role. So I like to include the title of the role. I like to include the status, whether it's contract, whether it's full-time, whether it's something else. I like to include the commitment, if that's relevant, so the number of hours per week. And then most importantly, I like to include the compensation at a high level at the very top. So when somebody shows up in this job description, they can see all of that relevant information and decide if they want to read on. The next section here is who we are. 
candidates really buy into companies that align with their values, their mission, what they want to do with their careers. So it's really important to start off every job description by talking a little bit about your company and what makes you different from the competition, what makes you different from other companies that this candidate might be considering in their job search. So this is a great opportunity to not just talk about your mission, but to share specific examples of that mission in action and to share a little bit of personality around who this person might be reporting to. For all of our job descriptions, we always have a little blurb about the person that the hire would be reporting to so that that candidate can go look them up on LinkedIn. That candidate can go see some articles that they've written. That candidate can do a little bit of research on their potential manager to understand, hey, is this a person that I want to work for? So that's what we're starting with. And then we're going into the about this role section. And I think this is one of the most important parts of the job description. Most companies will write job descriptions that just have some bullets around skills and qualifications that are, quote, about this role. Like, hey, these qualifications are tied to this role in some way. We take a bit of a different approach. First, we start with the context and we talk a little bit about why this role is open. What happened at our company and at our business that is causing the need for this role? Then we talk about the specific actions that this person would take, the specific projects that they would be responsible for. And I try to break them out by the percent of time that this person would be spending on them. So for example, about a year ago, we hired a career coach and that career coach, when they came on, was going to be responsible for handling the calls with, you know, prospective coaching clients, actually doing the the coaching itself, and then also managing our processes and funnels around coaching. And so I might say, you know, hey, this role is comprised of three distinct parts. The first is handling calls with prospective clients, you know, educating them on what we offer in our coaching program, understanding their needs, blah, blah, blah. That's going to take up about a third of your time. And then the next is actually doing the coaching and that's going to take up a third of your time. And then there's the the funnel and the process optimization, the system optimization, that's going to take a third of your time. And inside each of those categories, I have very, very specific actions that this person is going to be taking. So what I want is for the candidate to read through this section and understand why this role is open, understand how this role is going to positively impact the business if the person we hire achieves the goals and the expectations that we have for them. And then they're going to fully understand what they're going to be responsible for at a high level. So when they step into the role, they know exactly the type of work that they're going to be doing. They know the exact actions they'll be taking. They know the exact projects they'll be working on. And that is going to give them a lot of clarity about whether or not this role is for them and whether or not it aligns with their skills. Next, we talk about training and onboarding. And this is something that I do not see in 90 plus percent of job descriptions, maybe even 99% of job descriptions. But it's one of the most important things because when a candidate accepts a role, they wanna know if they are going to be supported through that training period. They're gonna wanna know what the plan is to help them reach a point of training and, and ramp up to where they can be successful on their own. So I always include this section to show candidates that we have thought about this. We have a very specific blueprint and plan for training them. We're going to take care of all their needs while they're being trained so they don't have to worry about anything except for learning our business, learning their role so that they can be successful. And then we have milestones. So we can say, hey, you should be hitting these milestones along the way before, you know, we let you loose and and send you into the full-time role independently. So this section should have a very clear breakout. You know, week one, you're going to be doing X or month one, you're going to be doing X. And then week two or month two, you're going to be doing Y. And here's what that looks like. Here's who you're meeting with. Here's how many times per week. Here's the training material that you need to have cover. And by the end of this period, here are the milestones that you need to have hit. 
That way, somebody could take a look at this and say, oh, this is what's expected of me. There is a very, very clear structure for training me. I feel confident about that. Next, we get into qualifications. And there's really three buckets here. The first are the minimum requirements for the role. So this is going to tell everybody who's looking at the job description what the absolute minimums are to be considered for this role. And it's important to not just say, you know, you have X years of experience, you have proficiency in these areas. What's really important is to talk about specific traits and specific outcomes that this person has driven. You want to be as specific as possible, because when this is vague, when this is fluffy, you are going to get a whole bunch of people who are not qualified for this role applying to the job. And that is just a waste of everybody's time here. So this is going to be the bulkiest section of the, the requirements piece. But then right on top of this, we have what I call the extra awesome but optional qualifications section. And this is essentially saying, hey, if you have these qualifications, you are in a really great spot. This is really what we're looking for in our wishlist candidate. But these are not required in order to land this role. We are totally happy to consider people who don't have these things and you can still win the role without them. But if you have them, that is basically checking some of the boxes on our wish list, right? On, you know, the, the ideal vision of the candidate that we have that's not always aligned with, you know, the realistic expectations that, that we might have for the role. So if you get some people who check these boxes, you know, those people can filter right up to the top of the list. You can feel really, really good that you have, you know, one or two potentially unicorn candidates that align, but you're also telling everybody else that, you don't necessarily need these in order to get the job. So you want to be very, very intentional about what you put in here. But I find that breaking these two things out really shows people that they can still apply. There are many other ways to land this job without the experience. But if you do have this experience, that truly aligns with the most ideal candidate that we're looking for. And then I have a section on who this job is not for. And I think this is also critical in filtering the applications that you get. So I'm going to sit down with my team and I'm going to ask them, you know, who they, what they want to look for in a hire, who they want to hire, what type of person, personality, work style, et cetera, traits that they have. And then we're going to flip the script and I'm going to ask them who would not be a good fit for this role. And we're going to bake that right into the section for the same reasons that we talked about. We want to make sure that the applications we're getting for this role are high quality and as relevant as possible. So when we specifically call out who this role is not for, we're helping eliminate people who might have applied otherwise, who now realize, oh, this role isn't going to be a good fit for me for X, Y, and Z reasons. And that, again, is going to lead to a higher quality of applicant. That's also going to lead to a much more relevant applicant. And that's just going to make your job a heck of a lot easier. Then we get into the perks and compensation side. So the perks of this job section is really just all of the stuff that you offer that you know, is going to make a candidate feel really good about accepting this. So do you offer a certain you know, remote setup? Do you cover commuting costs? Do you have a work from home stipend? Do you allow people to set their own schedule? Do you have a commission structure that allows them to, you know, not have a limit on their earnings? Do you pay for gym memberships? Do you pay for continuing ed? All of that stuff can go into the perks of this job. You can also include benefits and things of that nature. And then right below that, I'm going to put in a section on compensation. And basically what I'm going to do here is share the range that we have scoped for the role. And I'm going to talk through how that works. So I'm going to make sure that this person who's applying to the job clearly understands the range that they can make in this role, how that is split out between, you know, base salary and maybe commission and bonus and, you know, some of these other ways that you can earn so that they have a very clear understanding of the ways that they would get paid in this role. 
Now, obviously, many companies don't like to include salary in their job descriptions, and they do that for a number of silly reasons. I think this is really important because what it allows you to do is bring in those candidates who are going to be aligned with that budget up front. There's nothing worse than getting a whole bunch of applications from great candidates who only then realize that you're not going to be able to pay them what they were hoping for. And then again, you're wasting your time. You're getting your hopes up. That's not a good fit for you or for the candidate. So being honest about this, being transparent about it is one of the best ways that you can help increase that relevancy and quality. And then last but not least, I talk about what to expect from the hiring process. So I actually have each step broken out. You know, for example, for the last role we hired, I talked about, you know, the first step is applying and you should give our team 10 business days to reply to your application. Uh, If you're not a fit, we'll send you an email. The next step is an interview with me. 45 minute conversation. Here's what's going to be included. After that, you know, we have a a short paid assessment. So it's a couple hour assessment that we'll pay you for. And here's exactly what's involved. Then you have a conversation with somebody else on my team. And then we make the hiring decision. And then I let people know that the expectation is for all this to happen in, you know, X amount of time in a month in two months, whatever it is. So now somebody can see the exact hiring process. They can see how many steps are involved. They can see how many interviews they'll be a part of, and they can see the total time frame to hire. And that just makes people feel a lot more confident in your company in this process that you know what you're doing. So obviously, this takes a little bit of extra thought than your average job description. But I promise you, if you go through these steps as a hiring team, as an employer, you are going to get a higher quality of applicant. You're also going to get more relevant applications and you're going to get fewer applications. So that means your team is sifting through less garbage and they're spending more of their time focusing on applications that are very, very relevant. As a job seeker, looking at this, the most important thing I would think of is how many of these sections and and how much of this information are you seeing in a job description for a role that you're targeting? Because if you're not seeing it, one, you should be asking about it if you decide to pursue this role. But two, you should be deciding whether or not you want to pursue this role because That company, if they just have a really, really vague job description, that might be a flag that this company doesn't really know exactly what they're looking for, or they're sourcing a ton of people and they're just crossing their fingers that the best one is going to show up. And all these things are not really a good sign of a company that has a very clear vision that knows exactly what they need to be successful. And that can cause problems for you as as an employee down the road, because if they take that same approach to the rest of their business, uh, who knows what might happen with their finances, with their funding, with everything else that's going on. So I just might pay attention there. It doesn't mean you need to exclude them automatically. If other boxes are checked, you can still pursue this opportunity. But I would work to make sure that, that you do find the answers to this information. And using this rubric can be a great guide. You know, what's this role all about? What are the specific buckets? And how much time am I spending with each? What's the training look like? What's the onboarding look like? Who's this role not a good fit for? You know, what does the compensation look like? And what does the hiring process look like? Asking all these questions is going to get you those answers. So that's it for today. Thank you as always for listening and I will see you in the next episode of the podcast. 